Hello and welcome to the Veds Unrestricted podcast. This is episode 24. The date is Saturday, the 10th of July. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. My name's Dan Club, and I'm joined by my co-host as ever, Dave Comerford. Dave, how are we? I hope you're keeping well. Um, I'm going to get this little question out the way. Is it coming home? Um, <laughs> do you know what? It, I think there's, from what I've seen, there's a lot of English fans who are possibly slightly overrating Italy, only slightly um, in terms of you know, the fact that they got outplayed a little bit against against Spain. Um, yeah. And I think there's potentially a few that are underrating England as well because of the way that they've played um, isn't necessarily the most, I mean, aside from the Ukraine game, isn't necessarily the most like... Um, swashbuckling. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's a good way to use. Yeah, isn't necessarily the most swashbuckling way, but it has been very effective. So um, it's a very hard one to call, but, you know, I guess maybe home advantage, it could be the thing that, that sways it. So, you know, it's been... Um, 55 years now has it um, I think it's long overdue that England won a major trophy and I've got I think if I, I had to predict then I'd say they, they might just do it yeah yeah well previous listeners and regular listeners will know that myself and Dave aren't exactly enamoured with the fact that they could potentially be coming home but um, yeah I think I agree with Dave's assessment um, but Italy decent side so let's see what happens um, our guest this week is John Harrison, a freelance goalkeeper analyst and expert, if he doesn't mind me saying. Um, and we brought you on to discuss all things Liverpool goalkeepers, but obviously in particular Alisson. Um, and it's come at a good time because he seems to have lost his place um, to Manchester City's Edison um, this week. If I'm not mistaken, I think Alisson played two games earlier on in Copa America, conceded once, um, which certain quarters seem to have said he was potentially at fault for. Um, and he kept a clean sheet in the other game, I think, against Venezuela. So, going to get John in. Um, we're going to really look into Alisson's time with Liverpool, um, his good areas, his weak points, etc. Um, so, he's been with us for John. First, I'll ask you the same question before we get cracking. How are you? Thanks for joining us. And do you think England are going to win on Sunday? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm great. Uh I don't know. I think it's going to be a, a bit of a tough one. I think England and Italy, on paper, are quite similar levels at the moment, other than mm-hmm. the fact that I think Italy have more of the actual experience um, in, their, in their team. I think, on paper, England should just edge it. But it's yeah. one of those games. It's a one-off final, isn't it? Anything can, like, anything can happen in one-off finals. Um, but, yeah, if I was forced to make a prediction, I'd probably say 2-1 England. But you could see it going either way, I think. Yeah, definitely. And if we're going to get into uh, our main topic, I'd probably say Italy have got the edge goalkeeper-wise. Donnarumma is um, is decent. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. Um, I think, weirdly, Pickford plays far better for England than, yeah. he does for his, than he does for his club. So actually, on an international stage, the gap probably isn't that big. But if you're looking at their performances for AC Milan and Everton, then there is a, a golf in quality. But Pickford seems to be one of those goalkeepers that the, the bigger the pressure, he normally does normally does better. It's normally those games that don't really mean too much that he ends up throwing one in the net. So hopefully for, for England fans, we'll, we'll hope Pickford does bridge the gap and gives one of his better performances on, on Sunday. 
Yeah, they certainly will. So, like we touched upon earlier, um, this is well, Alison's been with Liverpool for three years now after making that big money move that was a record for a goalkeeper for about 48 hours, I think, before Chelsea signed Kepper. Um, so, going to go straight into it. For you, John, which of those three seasons, I'd imagine he's got better as he's gone on, but which of those seasons has been the best so far? Yeah, so this this one's a, a bit of a weird one because actually, from from sort of digging into the numbers and looking through it, actually last season was his w- was his best season statistically, and that's obviously kind of odd because in in his first year he um, won the Champions League with Liverpool, and then the second year he won the Premier League, and last year Liverpool didn't actually didn't didn't actually win anything. But um, interestingly, it was his best year shot stopping wise and cross claiming and sweeping and, and and sweeping wise and I imagine a lot of that will be down to Van Dijk being missing for the majority of it so he's had more to do and more chance to more chance to overperform but yeah so so for me looking into it I'd definitely say that that, that it was last season um, and when we, we dig into some of the nitty-gritty parts later on we'll we'll see which areas I think he's improved in last season versus, versus previous ones but yeah oddly um, he sort of had a dip in form after Liverpool won the league last year so he actually not last year the year before so he actually only ended up saving Liverpool about one goal above average in the 2019-2020 um, season. Whereas in his first season at the club, he saved them about five goals more than the average keeper would be expected to using the sort of standard expected goals, expected saves models. And then last season it was six. So um, that's why, that's why. yeah, I'll probably just give him the edge for, for last season, pulling some heroics out when Van Dijk was out. Yeah, I think just to... Uh... I think the epitome of those heroics is probably a last-minute header, which you don't see often from goalkeepers, obviously. Um, that probably improves his stats somewhat. But I think, <laughs> just, to, just to touch on what you just said there before Dave comes in, I think, for me as a Liverpool fan, obviously not necessarily a goalkeeper expert by any stretch, but the, the marked difference that we've seen in terms of goalkeeping quality from what went before to when Alisson came in makes me think that like immediately he was so good. like He was so many levels above what we'd had before. Um, which makes you just touch on like his first season, how many goals he saved us then. And I felt that. It felt as if he was keeping us in games and winning us games. Like, talk about the Napoli game in the Champions League. Like, that save is just one of the moments that stands out. And it just rings home and rings true when you say that immediately he was like saving us, you know, X amount of goals a game and what have you. It just... It's just a relief to have him in goal, if I'm honest with you. And when he does go missing for occasions when he's ill and what have you, the drop-off in standard, even though I think Kelleher's decent, to Adrian in particular was was incredible. You know, when you when you answered that first question, John, um, I slightly expected you to say the the first season, to be honest. Um, and I think that was also probably the best season for Van Dijk and Gomez as well. Not that they've experienced much of a drop off, but just in terms of, you know, being on their absolute best form. Um, and I think, yeah, that that was kind of the answer I was anticipating. So slightly surprised, but you know, he did um, come up with some really uh, important contributions last season. But to move the discussion on a bit, um, you know, one of the things pundits often kind of marvel at when it comes to Allison is is his handling and the way he makes saves that you know, for other keepers might look a bit dramatic. Um, he makes them look quite easy. Um, would you consider that one of his biggest strengths as a goalkeeper and to get into the more kind of technical side, how is it that he actually is able to do that to make to make them look quite easy? 
Yes, yeah, so definitely, I'd say positioning is one of is one of Alison's best strengths, along with his with his set position. So how he physically gets his body ready before a shot comes in. And I think if we want to pick out one specific example, it's probably easier to, to go through that. So the save against Pogba uh, the, last year in the in the game against Man United, where yeah, another time Alison Alison said Liverpool last year. That's one of those moments where it's falling to Pogba, whatever nine yards out on the volley, and many keepers you'd see. Um, either move off their line to try and get closer to the ball but in that circumstance there wasn't actually enough time so if they'd have done that it would just whizzed past their shoulder because they'd have cut the reaction time from whatever it is half a second to point two of a second and then and then it's gone so that, that's a time where he's doing really well to just stay there and also unlike other keepers Alisson's often much better at sort of staying calm and not getting his body contorted into weird shapes so in that Pogba shot example he doesn't jump into a into a huge wide base stance. He doesn't drop down, crouch really, really aggressively low. Something Liverpool fans will be used to when they're watching Mignolet, for example. That's something he used to get wrong quite a bit. Um, he, he can keep his body upright, keep his hands out in front of him. And that means when Pogba volleys it, people can say it's it's straight out and it's within his arm's reach. But that's only because of the way he got himself in position and then kept big and stayed upright. You can see, and I think there was an example the week later, actually, with um, the Newcastle goalkeeper, Darlow, very similar shot from a Bamian to the Pogba one, and he drops down early and then it like flicks off his forearm or whatever and goes in. And then everyone's saying a great finish by a Bamian. But then when Pogba did it, people were saying, Oh, Pogba's got to score that. So I think, yeah, one of the things that, that Alison's certainly really strong at is getting into position and not sort of getting out of the way of the ball. It might sound weird, but he's, he's keeps himself upright, keeps his hand out in front. And I think that goes on to your sort of second point of his handling. And it's weird because it's something that. A lot of his goalkeeper analysts, when he moved over from Liverpool, from Roma to Liverpool, we said, oh, that's something he's going to have to improve on in the Premier League when crosses are getting fizzed across the box and shots are coming in from range more often. Handling is going to have to improve because in, in, in Italy it wasn't one of his strengths. But um, the Liverpool goalkeeper coach must have done brilliant things because now in all these seasons at Liverpool, he's been catching more than he'd be expected to, given the sort of qualities of the shot and his parry locations have been great. So I think in, yeah, in his first season, something like he only parried two shots back into danger everything either went out for corners or out wide of the box or, or, or was caught and that's just like a, that's just a ridiculous stat to see something as, as as low as that over the course of a whatever 38 game season so yeah those two things are definitely part of Arsenal's job. Interesting that you mentioned the the coaching side because I know uh, John Achterberg um, received quite a bit of criticism I think um, there was no people connecting the fact that the goalkeeper position have been a problem area for us for a few years to to maybe failings in that respect. But yeah, um, if it, you know if Allison has improved greatly in that regard, then maybe Akterberg deserves a bit of credit. But to kind of pick up on uh, you know the, the kind of handling side and certainly the making saves look easy element, one thing that struck me in particular with Allison is he rarely seems to make the the kind of spectacular fingertip saves um, that you know, would maybe be classed as like the, the pinnacle of, of goalkeeping in some ways, really. So would you would you agree with that observation? Um, you know, does, does that bear out with what you've seen? And how would you explain that? Obviously, Liverpool's defence usually would limit the amount of shots he does have to face, but I can think of very few examples of Alisson, you know, making saves where it looks like he's a, you know, completely full stretch. Yeah, so I think a lot of that's just going to be down to the massively small sample size of the amount of shots he faces. Uh, when you're saying it, I was trying to think of one, and I can think of a few headers 
like mm. a few headers where he seems to be like plunging down to a corner and flicking it round. But yeah, I couldn't think of any sort of shots from range that he's been he's been really tested and, and haven't actually gone in. So obviously like he's conceded like a few goals from outside the box, but not but not that many. Um but yeah, uh I'm not I'm not really sure why I was gonna I just assume it's a small sample size. Also, I don't think that's not really his style of a goalkeeper. So when we get it that we'll get on to to discussing it at the end when we compare him to some other goalkeepers, um he's more of a like make sure he saves all the saveables and will come up with some big saves. His big saves are normally one-on-one saves or, or like the one against Pogba where it's a, a pressure situation and he doesn't let a, a, a non-worldy finish beat him. So I think that's sort of his style. It's um, if you're going to beat me, it's got to be a worldy. Um, but he rarely yeah, pulls out the sort of ridiculous saves himself, but unless they're like a, a 1v1, which I guess we'll, we'll, we'll get in like the close range reflex 1v1s. He is really like the Napoli champs. That, that's what he's got. Whereas the sort of top corner ones that are bending in from the edge of the box, I imagine, to be honest, it's just a small sample size thing. But yeah, I can't off the top of my head remember remember when he's made. Uh, I know, Dan, you wanted to to ask about kind of maybe a potential area of weakness. Yeah, I did. I just wanted to pick up um, and I thought it was a fascinating little insight into the more minutiae, if you like, of goalkeeping. And it's something, you know, just in layman's terms, looking at it, the parrying you mentioned, I think that's been one of the biggest plus points for me from Alisson and something I've noticed more than anything um, compared to other goalkeepers. When he makes saves, the amount of times he manages to get away from on-rushing attackers is just outstanding. Um, and I thought it was really interesting that you brought that up. But yeah, in terms of weaknesses, um, one thing you've spoke about on Twitter before is how he deals with well, long-range one-on-ones, um, sort of, I suppose, inside the penalty area. Um, could you elaborate on the point there? Um, and is that down to the fact we're going to come on to his sweeping? Is that down to the fact he does start so high and he kind of has to backtrack and he might not get into the right position? Is that part of it? Yeah, so so definitely. So first I'll just have a quick explanation of the of the stuff I've done on 1v1s. So basically I thought that 1v1s were a really, I don't know, poorly coached and poorly sort of understood area of goalkeeping, kind of weirdly. So a lot of the um, coaching I had and the, and the things I've seen are more just like, oh, it's sort of a natural thing. You just, it's just about, it's a little bit like a penalty. You're just sort of reading the striker and it's a sort of battle of wits that way. And I thought, actually, these these goals contribute to about a third of all goals scored, 1v1. Mm. So I was like, let's try and dig into these and investigate them and, and, and see if there's actually an optimum strategy or if it's just like a bit of a random 50-50 battle of wits. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I basically found by looking at, I think my model now has a thousand plus Premier League 1v1s from the last few years in it. Um, and I basically just looked at it, built a logistic regression model and found that actually when goalkeepers do certain things, they do dramatically increase their chance of making saves depending on what the 1v1 is. So yeah, th- this long range 1v1 that you, that, that you mentioned, um, if a, basically if a 1v1 situation is outside of like a roughly 14 yard out arc around the goal. So, mm-hmm. so basically from the sides of the six yard box up to just above the penalty spot. Yeah. Um, if it's outside of that arc, the best thing the goalkeeper can do is just wait in the six yard box basically and either say, go on, shoot and beat me from there or take another touch and then I'll close down that touch. Um, okay. Whereas once they're in that 14 yard arc, my, my model found that if they were sort of outside the width of the goal, the best strategy was the sort of David De Gea style block. So like the cricket long barrier, we'd call it in England, but yeah. that one where you, you make that sort of shape and you're like, you can't make me, you can't chip me, but the angle's really narrow. So actually it's really difficult for you to curl it around me as well. That's mm-hmm. why that's why that one seemed to come out on top of there. And then in the middle, it's the sort of Manuel Neuer, Joe Hart, um, 
Casper Schmeichel spread big starfish thing. And that's yeah. because it no longer really matters about getting megged because all of the gold is either side of you. If it's a one v one bang in the middle. So you just want to make yourself as big as possible and try and protect a little bit of both sides. So yeah, that, that's the research I did. And, that, and, and that's what I found with, with the one v ones in the Premier League. And like you say, so Allison is really good at those close range ones. As with mm. the with the Napoli chance, he's very good at the ball just bouncing and it's in and around the, the box. It's a one v one, and he can just quickly get off his line, make a big block shape, barrier shape, whatever shape he goes for. He quite often goes for the sort of diving smother one and then mm. make a big save. But yeah, you're correct. The, the area he did struggle with, at least in 2019, 2020, was those longer range ones. So I think we can think of um, a few instances like Sars goal for Watford in the in the, the game that sort of started. Liverpool, like after winning the title or whatever, I think it was just before winning the title actually. Um, their sort of decline of oh we've we've won it and the, the yeah. form sort of dropped a bit. Yeah, there was Sars goal in that, Deeney's goal in that. There was Phil Foden's goal as well, and the Brighton red card. All of these are sort of situations where through balls happened, and Allison's decided to engage, and it's given a strike an easier finish. Mm-hmm. So my model actually said that he conceded about one more goal from long-range 1v1s than an average Premier League goalkeeper will be expected. And obviously for Allison, like one goal's not a lot, but like for a keeper for Allison's quality, that yeah. makes it a big weakness because he's used to overperforming on sort of every every metric. But the one interesting thing I would say is that this that this last year gone by, he actually saved one and a half goals more than an average keeper would during long, long-range 1v1s. And I actually highlighted in a few of my tweets why this is. And it's because he's got so much better at backpedalling and getting into position after the sweep. So, so like you say, it, it is harder for Alisson, Edison, and those sort of goalkeepers in comparison to, I don't know, De Gea or, um, or Mendy. These teams that play with, with, with much higher lines, the goalkeepers need to start at the edge of the box. Mm-hmm. And then it does just make it harder for them then to drop back to their six-yard box when the chance is unfolding. But but it is possible is the sort of important thing here. Like I do expect Allison to get caught out a few times, but not as many as as was happening in the in the previous season. And, and last year he showed that because I think there's big chances against Newcastle. I think Longstaff got in a few times, and so Luckman as well for Fulham. They were getting in with through balls, and he was doing so well to actually back off, get any six-yard box, and then make a big save. And I think there was. Um, yeah, a, a few other instances of, of this, which in the end meant he overperformed one of those 1v1s. And like the problem won't go away. He'll still concede a few mm. soft ones. So I think last year, the ones that come straight to my mind are the Bamford one, where Van Dyke makes a mistake. It's, it's Van Dyke's fault. But if Allison doesn't engage, Bamford's at an awful angle, really far out, and he ends up like scuffing a side foot shot that rolls in. And if Allison stays, it's just like, oh, that save was easy. That's not even a good save. And that's where a lot of, <laughs> I always come back to sometimes, when people are like, oh, that's not a great save by Allison. He's just stayed there straight out and whatever. It's these tiny decisions. Like if he yeah. hadn't have come for that Bamford shot, everyone's like, oh, that's a P-roller. That'd never go in. But actually, because it's a through ball and a Van Dyke mistake and it's all bouncing around, you do often see keepers rush out and make bad finishes good ones. So it'll still be a, um, an issue for him. But it's really great to see that obviously he's done some work on, on that because there's no way he'd have jumped from underperforming to overperforming in a season. And also... It wasn't just that he was getting away with it. He wasn't like rushing out and making saves at the edge of the box where last time he wasn't. He was backing off and waiting. So it's a big part of improvement. And it'll be really interesting for me to see if he continues that next year um, because it really did increase his his 1v1 performance. So if we, yeah, quickly without going too deep into it. Last year, he was based in 2019, 2020, sorry. 
he was basically bang average at 1v1s for a Premier League goalkeeper because while he was better at the close range ones than an average goalkeeper, he was worse at the long range and they sort of cancelled out. Whereas right, yeah. last, last year, he basically saved two goals more than you expect with the close range ones because that's what he's good at. Everyone can, can see that. But because he also didn't uh, cost the Liverpool a few goals on the long range, he ended up overperforming by about, yeah, three and a half goals from 1v1s. So that's, like you say, a huge difference to, mm. to Liverpool. If you're thinking back to when you had... Minile or Carrius or whatever, they'd be pretty average to slightly below average. And those, what, three or four, five goals top up over a season. And that's why, yeah, Alisson's definitely worth the, the money Liverpool pay for him. Yeah, well, it certainly panned out that way. Um, and it's good to hear that he's improved on it um, over the course of a season, really. That's massive because the standout one for me from the ones you mentioned, probably the Brighton one, obviously was sent off. And I think we conceded immediately after from the free kick as well. So pretty dramatic. Um, circumstances but I wanted to pick up just a very quick point before we go on um, I mentioned sort of backpedalling there and there was a goal this week um, Spain, Italy, Murata and Donnarumma looks to me like he's kind of backpedalling, I wondered if you'd noticed that and he never looked set when Murata slotted the ball home um, and I wondered if that was kind of the same thing we're talking about, it's a bit closer but he was kind of on the move back by the time Murata had controlled the ball and he, by the time he looked set he'd already scored yeah, yeah. So I think the, the issue with Donnarumma's one is I believe I think what he'll have thought, obviously you can never know, but it looked like from his from his body language, he thought Morata's touch was going to be a lot wider. So he yeah. was thinking, oh, this is a 1v1 where I want to just back off to my line and then go on, can you beat me? But what it turned out to be, Morata's touch was actually very straight in the end. So it was one he had to come out for. So he ended up just standing, I don't know, five yards away from Morata and just picking left and diving. And it just allowed Morata to yeah. roll it in the near post. So that's one of those where I think you just got to keep on your toes for as long as possible. In an ideal world, Donnarumma sees that touch and then rushes out and does, I don't know, the block, the spread, something right in Morata's face. And it would just cause the ball to just be hit at him. And everyone would just say, oh, it was straight iron. <laughs> but it'd been, a, it'd been a great save. It's one of those where Donnarumma, for me, does two things wrong because he initially doesn't engage, but mm. he could roughly get away with that. Because if he'd have just held his position then, I think he might make a foot save and tip it round. Yeah. You know, you know it, was, it, was, it was pretty close to where his foot was before he just dived to his left. So I think it's one of those where in goalkeeping, if you make two mistakes, you normally concede. So I think yeah. it was, yeah, he should have come out. But as soon as he, he gets the touch wrong of Morata and stays on his line, I think then he has to just wait. He can't then gamble. And I think a goalkeeper that springs to my mind straight away who's not great at that is, is Ramsdale. I don't know if you've seen many goals he's conceded, but Timo Werner's one for Chelsea against him and Gareth Bale's one for Tottenham against him. It's a very similar situation where he does well. He gets back on his line during the 1v1 and he's like, come on, come and beat me. And then just dives and two shots straight down the middle of the goal just go in. And you're like, oh, you'd, you'd have probably caught those. You did all of the first bit right. And then you just gamble. You didn't trust yourself in the last minute and you gambled. And I think often that can, that can cost goalkeepers. They have to, even if you get the decision wrong, just back your decision and um, potentially you'll get away with it. You won't always because you've obviously made a suboptimal decision to start with. But um, yeah, I think it's one of those two wrongs and you're, you're dead as a goalkeeper. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting about the, certainly the long range one, one v one thing, like when you hadn't necessarily been something I'd noticed as a recurring pattern, but as soon as I read your tweets, like there was a few kind of examples that, that popped into my mind and, you know, clearly, you know, if Alisson has improved in that regard, then it looks like it's something that has maybe been identified by Liverpool and the, co the coaching staff as well. But on, on sweeping, obviously, the, the Leicester example is 
you know, a moment where it's kind of gone wrong because of some miscommunication. But more more generally, is there anyone better than Alisson when when it comes to that that side of the game? Um, you've called him an elite shot preventer, um, which is I think is quite a good phrase. And so this, I guess, the second part of the question then will be: Do you think we appreciate that that side of of goalkeeping enough? Oh yeah. So, um, firstly, in uh, for Alison, I don't think there's anyone better in the Premier League. Like I've built a, a sort of a shot prevention model where I look at the trajectory of every sort of through ball and cross that a goalkeeper faces, and then look at how likely it would result in a goal. So you can imagine, I don't know, an in swing corner where there's a bloke about to head it in from four yards. Like if the keeper doesn't come and claim that, that might result in a goal. I don't know, 50 percent of the time. Whereas I don't know, a really deep cross, the keeper's caught it on the edge of the box. Like that's barely maybe one percent of the time that would result in a in a goal. But you can aggregate this up over a season and see who's preventing the most goals from from how active they are and, and where they're claiming crosses and how clean they are when they do claim them. Because obviously, if a come and drop a cross, suddenly you've turned a, a chance that was fifty percent maybe into ninety percent by dropping it at the striker's feet two yards out. So yeah, I've, I've built this model and, and looking at that on sweeping and Allison for the last two seasons, no one's been no one's been as good as him. Like Ed, Edison's in and around there. And I don't know, maybe surprisingly for some fans, Leno and Pope are sort of also up there because of the, the, the frequency that they, they help out their defences. Um, but yeah, Alisson's long and away at the top. And I imagine, I don't have the data for it, um, but I imagine there's only really Neuer in the world that, that's close to Alisson's sort of frequency and accuracy of sweeping. Um, it was interesting that you mentioned the, um, the, the, the Leicester one, because really that was... I think he only got it about it wrong about four times this year. Um, I think there was a, a few times it was cleared off the line um, by, um, by by Liverpool defenders, and then there was the, the Leicester one. But for me, when I when I've tweeted about that, and you can you can check that out, but I just don't think it was Allison's fault at all. Like if you're a cent- obviously Kabak hadn't played with Allison, and I think that was the issue because yeah. if you play with Allison, you know if the ball goes there, he's going to sweep it. Like I, in my Twitter thread, I, I put a graphic up showing Allison's sweep locations, and it's like. Yeah, if the ball's landing there from a from a pass from where it started with the Leicester player, like Allison's always going to sweep it. And I think it's one of those where I always say to my defenders when I play, let me make the mistake. Don't you run into me or try and clear it or try and if I shout for the ball, let me if you don't think I'm gonna get there, just let me make the mistake. Like if I don't end up getting there and I miss it, they run in and score. I'll put my hands up. But if you block me and, and you stop me doing it, the ref can't give a foul because you've blocked me. It's not one of their players. So just, I always, yeah, try and hammer home, let me make the mistake. So I think in that instance, Kabak certainly didn't do that. And I don't, I don't think Kabak's been bad for Liverpool. I'm not going to slag him off, but like that, in that one occasion, I definitely don't think it was, it was Alisson's fault at all, really. Um, there has been a few times where Alisson missweeps, miss but I think the point is when I've looked at it, the sort of the chances, the additional chances they create for the opposition are so massively outweighed by all the ones he sweeps up. I was chatting to the Brighton goalkeeper coach um, about their game with Liverpool, and that was actually one of Allison's best sweeping games. And they said it was just it was just ridiculous. They, they couldn't get more pay in. They kept trying, and Allison was just sweeping up and clearing everything. And they were like, right, we'll take some off it, we'll take some off it. And he was still coming out 30-odd yards from his goal and, and clearing the ball. And I think that, that sums him up that... He's just relentless in his sweeping and will always back himself. And he'll obviously get some wrong because you can't sweep up whatever 50 or 60 or three balls a season without without making one mistake. But the amount of goals he prevents Liverpool by far outweighs any any mistakes he makes. Yeah, I think it's integral to the the functioning of the Liverpool system as well to have 
a keeper who's, who's kind of comfortable with that high starting position behind the really high line that we play. Dan, do you want to talk about the, the point blank goalkeeping? Yeah, um, just wanted, yeah, it's something we've touched upon already, um, but it's probably the standout sort of strength, in my opinion, that he's got. And I know you'll have the data on it and the stats that could prove that right or wrong, but we've already touched on the Napoli moment because that is probably, other than his goal against West Brom now, that's probably the moment from his Liverpool career so far that stands out because of because of what came after and how big it was at the time. Um, so we've already touched upon the fact a lot of the efforts people end up so straight at him, but what are the qualities that he has and is one of them as simple as his size because he's, you know, most goalkeepers are big, but he's a he's a serious presence. Um, but what are the qualities he has that make those point blank saves seem so regular and so straightforward, if you like, from him? Yeah. So firstly, yeah, Alisson's class at close range 1v1s, it's something he does excel at statistically. Like it'll save Liverpool a few goals above average every season because that's just in the Premier League. So never mind including the full. UCL, Champions League and all the other games in that as well. Um, but yeah, no, it's something he's great at. And if um, if you watch him, the reason for this is basically his, his speed of thought and speed of, of body off the line. So that Napoli one's a great example. So he stood like two yards off his line, standard goalkeeper position as the, as the cross comes in. And then it gets flicked on, I think, by Fabinho or someone, some centre-back, something, flicks it on and it was falls to the Napoli player. And then if you look, by the time he's taken the touch and got the shot off, Alisson's like four or five yards out nearly at the edge of his six-yard box and just spreading himself as big as possible and then just flicks off his body and, and goes to safety. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of those where, weirdly, these point blank, and it's funny that they get, they get called reaction saves because actually the way you save them is by not making it to do with reactions. No one really, there's like a range where you can, so like, I don't know, a header from like 10 yards, eight yards, whatever, you, you can react to that. That's why goalkeepers back off and get to their line. But if, if it's on the floor and you're striking it with your feet and hitting it, whatever, 50, 60, 70 miles an hour, there's no way a goalkeeper can react if it's like six, seven, eight yards out. So what you have to do is just cut reaction time out of the question and get as close to the ball as physically possible and make a shape where you think there's as few gaps as possible and then it will just hit you. So it's one of those you could... It's weird because they always look straight at the goalkeeper, but it's one of those things. If you actually track the trajectory of the ball and where it would go, a lot of these 1v1s are actually going in the bottom corner. Yeah. But the goalkeeper's got so close to the ball that by the time it's hit them, it's like in their thigh or in their knee or something. But if you track that ball all the way to the goal, it would be in the it would be in the corner. So yeah, I'd say Allison's sort of speed of thought of um, wow, okay, the touch is there, I've got to get off my line. So we were saying about mm. Donnarumma earlier, he did he didn't have that in, in that one no. situation. He miscalculated, didn't get out, then got himself in a bad position. Whereas Alisson, you imagine if that Morata chance happened to him, he'd be straight out on top of him and making some sort of premeditated barrier. And I say hoping it just hits him, but like it's all of the all of the little bits before is what makes it sort of an educated, an educated bit of hope that it's going to hit you. So yeah, that's why he's he's so good at those things. And I think that weirdly, the one that sticks out in my mind is against Brighton in probably a game that was pretty in- inconsequential to Liverpool. But there was a chance where a cross sort of got whipped in and it just fell to Morpé. And I don't know how, because it felt like Alisson was on his line and the shot was like three, four yards out. In a split second, Alisson was right on top of him. Mm. Bang, shot straight at him, obviously, because he's got right on top of him. Um, and he's made the save. And it's like, wow, that's a save that not many goalkeepers make. So many goalkeepers, when like low crosses come in, will just turn, look up, and then try and react. Whereas Alisson turned, saw it was obviously not going to be go to Van Dijk or Gomez or whoever was playing and realised, right, 
I've got to use my split second to just run at the ball rather than turn, set, react. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's, he's, so, he's, he's so good at those, saving those and consistently saves more than you'd, you'd expect him to in those situations. I just wanted to ask another thing about the point-blank goalkeeping. It's another, another thing, again, that I kind of have noticed and I was wondering if it's something that's occurred to you as well. Alison seems to have this tendency to, you know, when an attacker tries to take the ball around the goalkeeper, he seems to be really good at grabbing the ball from the feet of the attacker. So two examples spring to mind is the takes the ball off Lingard um, when we draw 0-0 at Old Trafford in the 18-19 season. I think, of that, I think it was March, that game. And then, yeah, Norwich, uh, the Nor- Nor- Norwich game in um, in 1920 when we won 1-0 was a big chance there he took it off Pookie um so what what do you make of that is that again just part of his his point blank strength yeah so I think he's really good at, at, at staying on his feet in those in, in those situations um it's sort of a yeah both of both of those were were great moments and, and and top saves from him it's one of those where sometimes he goes slightly too far with it and it's all all about timing so those two he timed perfectly because he got out and was like putting them off so they then took that um, pass in Pookie's case and um, dribble in Lingard's case. And then because he stayed big and his feet are so quick, he can get down, get across and, and make the save. Um, so I think that's definitely one of his strengths. Is He just has to be aware not to go too far the other way. So I think of um, a few chances where, I think of the Gabriel Jesus goal for um, Man City, this se- yeah, la- the last season that's just gone. It was one of those where it's, it falls to him. It's a very quick fire one v one. It just drops to Jesus, he takes a touch and then he's trying to finish it and what Alisson does is he rushes out and sort of does that expecting maybe another touch to go around him or whatever and he just slides it in so he ends up not getting set and not making a, a, a spread a spread shape or a dive shape or whatever so I think it's one of those things where it's definitely his strength but he has to make sure that um, he doesn't always try and just hold the striker up because one of my sort of bits from researching the 1v1s was actually Premier League strikers are getting much much better if a goalkeeper just tries to stand them up, just shooting and scoring. So it's one of those things. It's going to work when he's read the striker and, and he knows they're going to dribble or pass or whatever. But if they're going to shoot when he does that, it makes it very difficult for him to, to actually react because he's not set ready for the shot. He's sort of shifted his body and held it upright, ready to react to their footwork rather than a, a direct effort on goal. To move away from a a big plus point for Alisson in the, the best goalkeeper in the world debate, to potentially one of the big weaknesses. I had a look at the stats earlier and Allison ranked in the top five for errors leading to goals in his first season. Um, he wasn't featuring prominently on that list in 1920, uh, but last season he was he was joint first with uh, Kepper from Chelsea, who's obviously notoriously error-prone, um, although I think a couple of those errors uh, came in in one game against Man City, so... Um, what do you take from from that stat, John? Um, I mean, I'll, I've just mentioned that it was a couple in the same game. Maybe it's not particularly useful as a metric to measure goalkeepers, but you know, is that something that certainly counts against them uh, when we try and compare them to the elite goalkeepers? Cool. Yeah. So, so first thing, whenever I do any of my analysis, uh, and I'll, I'll go into this before, I don't really ever have errors leading to goals as as as, as any sort of metric and, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain why as we go through what the actual ones that Alison work I, I looked up all of the ones um, before this just to to see what to classify as an error leading to goal for him um, and the reason I don't is because it's really subjective 
it's like it's not obvious what what one person would define as an error and another wouldn't so, so in all of my work the, the way i define an error is to do with um the way i do it for shot stopping is if you're letting a goal that gets saved over 80 percent of the time i'd say that would be an error so i have a model and it has it spits out for every shot an expected save value so if it's a p roller straight down the middle from 30 yards it's going to be saved 99 percent of the time if it's the one percent of the time that you, it squirms through your legs that's going to go down as an error in my model but like any other shot if it's above the above the threshold i mentioned i wouldn't be including that as a as a shot stopping error and then similarly for, for crosses and through balls my model would be if you make the situation worse i would class it as an error but the error wouldn't be one whole error and we'll get into that when i go through the ones that um allison faced that allison did apparently according to opta here but for example if you i think i mentioned it earlier in in, in the pod um if a cross comes in and you come out and, and you miss punch it so you've probably prevented i don't know a 30 40 percent chance by coming and punching it if, if there's a person there just ready to head it in um but you've punched it straight to a striker's feet on the penalty spot and you're not in the goal maybe you've presented them with a 70 percent chance so for me that error would be you've increased the, ch the chance from like 30 percent to 70 so that's like minus 0.4 of a goal is, is how i'd look at it because then you don't penalize one for, for an error and the reason i'll get into that is so his he made three errors in 1819 one in 1920 and three in 2021 so if we actually look at the one in 1920 that's the interesting one for me that was a distribution error against arsenal so he, uh, it was the same game Van Dijk also made an error in, um, but uh, he basically tried to pay it out to the fullback, but it got intercepted, and an Arsenal player ran down the wing, crossed it in, and, and another Arsenal player cut inside and bent it in, bent it into the top corner. And that's exactly why that shouldn't count as one whole error. There's no way a misplaced pass to their winger, like that, he hasn't passed it to their striker two yards out of goal, mm. right? He's passed it to their winger, who's then done a bit of magic, crossed it in, and their striker's done a bit of magic and killed it bottom corner. Like if you put that through my model, I'm sure that will be like, uh, yes, he's made it worse. He's increased the chance of them scoring from like zero, you'd imagine, when the keeper's just got the ball in unpressurised possession to like, I don't know, 10% chance. So that for me will be like minus 0.1, not minus a whole a whole goal. So that's one reason I don't like it. Um, and then if we actually look into what his errors were in 1819, we have the Leicester one where he tried to dribble and got it tackled off him. Again, I, that would be much higher, I imagine, because he's dribbling in the corner flag when he could have like booted it out down the line, played a pass inside, whatever. And obviously he's now, I think it was just one pass across goal when it happened for, for, for Leicester. So I imagine, yeah, no goalkeeper in the goal and a cross from that location will be higher than about 10%. So that that's probably worthy of being an error. But again, I wouldn't call it a whole, a whole goal. And the other two were the Man United cross that he dropped um, and Lingard tapped it in. For me, that, that's a really good one for my model because that model, I imagine, would have said, yeah, he stopped like a 30, 40% chance of Lingard. Just If he didn't come for it, Lingard sliding in and tapping that in. But because he did come and drop it and put it on a, on a plate so the cross had no velocity anymore, um, yeah, he'll have put it up to like a 90%er. So, yeah, I, I'm happy to say that that's uh, what wasn't good from Alison. But then the last one, this was a really interesting one. It was against Fulham, the one where Van Dijk tried to head it back to him, but Van Dijk mm -hmm. didn't get enough on the header. And then Allison ran into the sort of Fulham striker and it bobbled out and someone and the Fulham striker scored a tap in. And that's another one where, for me, I don't know, that feels a lot like it's Van Dyke's fault for not either getting enough on the header back to the keeper or just clearing it. Because if, if you watch that one again, Van Dyke's shouting for Allison to come, but Allison hasn't come. He's stayed in his box. So that's one of those where you imagine Allison Allison screaming away. So Van Dyke should just hook it out for a throw in. And then shout at Allison later for not coming. But instead, he's like, "Okay, fine. We'll still try and keep the ball. I'll head it back to you." 
and he ends up not getting enough on the header. So that's basically a reason why I don't like them. And oh yeah, last year, I think, is the one you're actually talking about. And yeah, two of them were distribution errors against City. Um, I think they were a bit worse than the Arsenal one. I think he sort of gave them to City pretty unpressurised and they just ran in one cross and scored. So yeah, the again, I wouldn't count them as a whole, like a, a whole unit of a goal that he's cost Liverpool because um, not every time will 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 that go in. But um, but yeah, those were pretty bad. And but the other one is the Leicester one is what yeah, often yeah. classified as his mistake. And like I said before, for me, that's that's Kabak's. So I think I've <laughs> gone into that a lot and had a little rant on that. But I genuinely don't think errors leading to goals are a, a good metric for keepers at all. It'd be much better if there was like a, a sort of mathematical way of defining them, which is why when I analyse goalkeepers for clubs and people ask me to do analysis and things, I'll always... Um, sort of categorise it as, oh, here are a few shots that they probably should have saved because they're really high expected save. And here are a few crosses that they messed up and here are a a few through balls they messed up. And here are a few passes that they really messed up and increased the chance of the opposition scoring rather than having raw um, sort of error amounts. And then what you can do is, if you do it like me, you can take the good away from the bad. So let's say he's thrown two shots in from 30 yards that were straight down the middle through his legs but he's made, he also made two worldy saves on um, headers in the top corner in that game, they're going to cancel out for me rather than if you're just looking at errors, there's, you don't see any of the good to, to potentially cancel out the bad. Whereas obviously, if you didn't make any worldy saves, then you do see the errors. Um, but yeah, that's for me why I don't really take much notice of errors, especially the way the way Opta define them. For me, like there's definitely a risk of award element to the way Alisson keeps um, in terms of his high line, and that's what Liverpool want him to do, obviously. But I think that was highlighted last season in particular. Like we've already touched upon No Van Dijk, Gomez, Matip, and the impact that had. But the responsibility on Alisson must have been huge. So the numbers, even though they weren't necessarily too bad, like we just kind of, you know, picked apart, it wouldn't have been a surprise had they been because he was probably getting exposed more than ever before at Anfield, I'd say. Um, but yeah, so we will move on to try and get an answer on whether he is or could be regarded as the best in the world or at least one of. Um, some of the names we've got down to sort of compare with. Um, Edison is probably the most natural comparison because of Brazilian and Premier League. Uh, Manuel Neuer, still amongst the elite, despite you know his age. Ter Stegen and Donnarumma, we've already mentioned. Um, another one who I was particularly impressed with um, across the two legs in the Champions League was Jan Oblak. I thought he was outstanding. And I thought the game at Anfield in particular, he kept them in it. So how would you compare those names to Alisson? And is Alisson rightly amongst them? And is he even the best? Yeah, so for me, yeah, he's def- definitely amongst them. That's, that's, that's not a question. And for, I think it's quite weird at the way, uh, at the moment, the way goalkeeping is, that there's no real standout um, best goalkeeper in all departments. So yeah, when you sent me the question, I was thinking about it. And for me, I think Alisson's actually the most well-rounded goalkeeper. So in the, in the three areas of goalkeeping, so that's shot prevention, so that's coming for crosses and sweeping up, uh, shot stopping, physically stopping shots, and ball distributing. Um, Alisson's probably the most well-rounded goalkeeper at the moment. But like just by looking at him from, from my opinion and from the stats I've seen and from the research I've done, like Neuer's a, a better sweeper than Alisson, and Edison's a better distributor, and Oblak's a better shot stopper. But if you try and amalgamate all of those... Edison's um, shot prevention and shot, shot stopping lets him down a little bit in comparison to how his distribution is. And similarly, since Neuer's sort of aged, his, his 1v1 stopping is still great, but his regular shot stopping and his, 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 um, 
his distribution isn't as great as it as, as it once was. So it's his sort of shot prevention that's that's keeping him going. And then Oblak, I think most people know who watch him. He's not really a natural distributor or, or shot preventer at all. He's very much what people would call a line goalkeeper. He'll stay there because he backs his reflexes and he backs his shot stopping ability to make big saves. So I think at the moment, it's one of those where I, I love watching those three keepers, Neuer, Edison and Oblak, because of how good they are at those sort of one specific part of the sort of three parts of goalkeeping. But if you're asking me for the most well-rounded, if, if, if you're looking at all of those goalkeepers, I'm going to say that potentially for a team, especially a team like Liverpool, I think Alisson, you'd rather have him than any of the other three. Um, but we started this, the podcast with talking about Brazil. And I've always said for Brazil, I actually think Edison's a better fit because the, um, the way Brazil play and the amount of distribution he has to do versus shot stopping, and they're, they're both quite similar at preventing. Uh, Edison has the edge on crosses and Alisson has the edge on, on through balls. So they're quite similar at the preventing, but Edison's distribution versus Alisson's better shot stopping has always made me think well how many shots do Brazil actually face versus how many distributions they have to do with their goalkeeper so I've always thought that weirdly even though Alisson's a more all-round goalkeeper and I, I definitely think that Edison is a better fit for, for Brazil but then if you were to go to their clubs again Edison's a better fit for Man City but Alisson's a better fit for Liverpool like if they swap goalkeepers that they do they do worse for the for, for their teams so in a sort of I don't know a weird roundabout way I def definitely think Alisson's um, in, in and around the top five, 10 goalkeepers in the world, 100%. And for me, he is probably the most well-rounded. But in the sort of Monday state we're living in, I don't know if that means he could get into every club. It's not, not like the old days when we had Casillas, Buffon, Neuer in like the 20, early 2010s, who would play for every club in the world yeah. and be better than their goalkeeper. I don't think we're in that state at the moment. But um, for me, Alisson, the fact he's so well-rounded, definitely... Um, means he should be up there and there's not many that Liverpool would want instead of him. They might be able to get one or two better shot stoppers, one or two better sweepers, one or two better distributors, but to get someone who's Alisson's level, which is basically top three, four in the world, in all categories, is, is going to be very difficult. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll certainly take that and Alisson, to be honest with you. Um, David, I'll bring you in. Anything to say? Um, anything to comment? You know, that's a, I think that's a really good um, nuance verdict on on the whole thing. Definitely, yeah. Um, um, John, um, like genuinely, absolutely outstanding. And just want to thank you for coming on. Uh, we give every guest the opportunity to plug anything, whether it just be your Twitter or whatever. So we're going to give you the same courtesy now. Yeah, no, cheers. Thanks, lads, for having me on. It's been really, really enjoyable. I always enjoy speaking about goalkeeping and yeah, yeah digging into Alison, one of my favourites. Love doing it. So yeah, all I've got to plug really is if you're interested in goalkeeping and want to hear more about the sort of minutiae of it, and mm. I'll, 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 I'll I will analyse most sort of moments, big saves, big mistakes, those sort of things on Twitter. So yeah, if you just follow my my Twitter, which is at jhd harrison one, then. Basically, most days, most games, I'll be tweeting about it and giving my whatever thoughts and whatever my research suggests about about various big moments. So, so yeah, that's all I've got to say. And thanks for having me on, boys. No, no problem at all. Genuinely, genuinely brilliant. Um, real insight into it. Um, I hadn't even thought that hard about goalkeeping up until tonight, but that was that was properly properly outstanding. Uh, Dave, any final thoughts? I got what you said. Really enjoyed um, listening to that. Um, in terms of sort of podcast stuff. Um, I just want to say the last couple of episodes we've done are all kind of what I call kind of evergreen ones. So we've done one on um, whether 
Liverpool should prioritise a midfielder or, or a forward in the transfer window and one looking at kind of targeting in a bit of depth. So um, if you've enjoyed listening to this, um, my advice would be go and listen to either of them because they're both as relevant now as, as they were when we recorded them. Yeah, exactly. Very fair point. Um, and do so. And that is all we've got time for for this week. And we will be back with a very special episode next week with Ben Dinnery, um, injury expert. And we're going to look at the return in Liverpool players and how they might fare and hopefully be okay for the season. So thanks for listening.